0: This is The Woman Behind the Business, featuring honest dialogue that advances and inspires women entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Angel Livus.
1: This week on The Woman Behind the Business, doing business with the government. You know me, I'm your host, Angel Livis, and I'm very excited to continue our four-part Women's History Month series. In celebration of Women's History Month, we're honoring and recognizing four women with the Woman Behind the Business Paragon Award. This award is designed to celebrate women of distinction, whom we believe are history makers in their own right. Today's recipient of the Woman Behind the Business Paragon Award is Mrs. Jackie Robinson Burnett. Ms. Robinson Burnett is the former Deputy Associate Administrator at the Small Business Administration, or SBA. She was the ranking SES, promoted to lead, supervise, and provide guidance to an elite team of five other SBA senior executives. She was also responsible for managing the $99 billion government contracting and business development programs for all small businesses to to include SB Hub Zone 8A WSBO or WS... Services able veteran owned small business. Yes, that one. <laughs> and um, yes, and SDB. Today, she's a domain expert, which I have no idea what that means, but we will get to it, I promise, at Live Oak Bank, where she still has the opportunity to serve, support, and help small businesses thrive in the government contracting sector. It is an honor to present
2: you with the Paragon Award today, Miss Jackie. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Angel. I really appreciate this award, and I appreciate this opportunity to talk to some of your listeners. Yay! You know, I've been watching you, and you excite me every time I see you and i hear you
1: thank you miss jackie (laughs) all right so let's talk a little bit about this new role um yes because we've spoken many times but every time i hear or see domain expert i'm like what in the world does that mean so please share it with our listeners what is your
2: new role So I joined Live Oak Bank November 6th, 2017, just about 90 days ago. And Live Oak Bank is a publicly traded FDIC member bank. It started in 2008. And the entire purpose of the bank is to serve small businesses Mm -hmm. with financing to grow their companies, to acquire a company, lines of credit and different products for financing. Live Oak started a vertical a um, branch, I would say, Mm -hmm. in Washington, DC. And the sole purpose of that branch was to focus on federal small business contractors. Mm -hmm. And the branch has been opened for about a year. Last year, they did $80 million in loans to federal small business contractors. We plan to double that, more than double it this year. And they reached out to me in September And said, we really want to provide more than financing. We want to provide government contracting expertise. And so we need a government contracting expert. And they convinced me to leave the government early to join the bank. So I'm there um, opening the doors to federal small business contractors. My clients that I had at the SBA are the same clients that I have at the bank. So we're offering contract uh, loans, lines of credit, um, opportunity to acquire a small business to build your past performance and experience, mm-hmm. and we're offer, offering mobilization
1: now, financing. How hard was it for you to make that shift? Because you worked your way all the way up to SES and not just SES, but like the what? top, yes, yes,
2: I was in the top 1% of federal um, government leaders.
1: Right. So, and you're African-American and you're a woman. So yes. that is a level of prestige, you know, that you make it and kind of like, hey, like, I'm you know, here. I'm here. <laughs> I <laughs> arrived, you know, it, but you've worked for it. You know, it's not something that you just received. Yes. And so how hard was it for you to kind of walk away from something that you had worked so hard
2: to acquire? It was hard. Um, so many women... Uh, want to see and don't get a chance to see African-American women leading at that level. And I was a mentor to several women. Mm -hmm. I was able to coach and guide them and help them and just be the voice in the face where they could see if she can do it, Mm -hmm. I can do it too. Mm -hmm. But I did the federal government uh, work, public service for over 30 years. I like to say I'm only 35. Don't do the math. (laughs) (laughs) I'm an Army wife. Mm -hmm. My husband served in the military over 26 years. And so we've contributed to our country in a great way. Mm -hmm. And when I started talking to Live Oak Bank, you know, I told them I'm three years away from retiring. And they offered me an opportunity that. I could not refuse.
1: So it must have been better than what would have happened, you know, three,
2: waiting those three it was years. Better than, <laughs> it was better than the government. And I had done so much to streamline things in the government, streamline application processes and open the doors to so many small businesses and helping them grow to be multi-million dollar firms. And the challenge uh, that small businesses still had, they knew how to start a business, how to be certified, how to win contracts. Mm. But so many still didn't have access to capital. Mm. And you can't work your contracts if you don't have the money to pay your employees. Mm. And in the federal government, you win a contract, and then you have to work it. You have to pay the people every two weeks for up to 30 days before you even have a chance to submit an invoice. Mm. And most small businesses don't have the money to do that. So they stay at a very low level of performance, they could be a five million dollar a year company, but they stay at a million dollars a year because they could only afford a hundred thousand dollars in um, payroll so,
1: and, so you're shifting, even though you're you're not necessarily on that government side managing that ninety nine billion dollar budget, but now you're on another side where you're providing guidance and resources to those small businesses more than you could do on the
2: SBA side? 100% Okay, um, in order to help them grow.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, Let's say for instance, with the 8 certification program, uh, a lot of people don't know that 50% of those firms don't go beyond $1 million in revenue. Mm -hmm. Some of them never win a contract. And part of it is because you have the certification, but you need the past performance and experience and able to put in a bid that's a winning bid and win the work. Mm. So Live Oak Bank helps 8A firms and other firms acquire other businesses. We finance an acquisition. Mm. And so you can be a small business, brand new certification. You can acquire another small business, take on their contracts and their personnel and continue to grow those businesses.
1: Maybe that's what I need to do because my government contracting record isn't too strong um, because I don't have the past performance, but I think a, a lot of it kind of dives into um, the information that is given in why it's important to have the capital. Access to capital is one thing, but I think sometimes there's a mindset of, I don't want to go to a bank to get a loan. I don't want to go through the process and all of that. Um, so it's like a lack of information of why it's important. So outside of what you're saying in regards to acquiring these like larger type contracts, why else is it important if I'm a startup to make sure that I go out
2: and get the capital that I need for my business? And a line of credit. Mm-hmm. Because you may it depends on what service you're in, Mm. or you may be providing supplies. But the biggest issue is the government pays you after you perform. And so if you have a contract, you need capital to be able to start that contract. And then each month, the government may take 15 to 30 days after you submit your invoice Mm. to pay you. So you could be looking at four to six pay periods before you get your first payment. And most small businesses are small because they don't have that that money just sitting in the bank. So it's important to get it when you start because when the opportunity comes, if you don't perform, the government can terminate you for default. Mm-hmm. So you want to have the money and the resources to perform. And you don't want to be fearful of not going after some of the larger projects because you don't have cash in the bank. So you want a good line of credit and you want a bank that understands when you win a new contract, and your line of credit can't sustain that growth, that they will give you additional money up front to start from day one. Wow. And then build your line of credit as you win new contracts.
1: No, That's powerful. Now, what is one of your favorite stories um, that kind of shows how, you know, you... Um, carrying this, this, the stature of excellence, and being able to implement it in the life of somebody to help them down the path of fulfilling their goals or their dreams.
2: So as you know, I was in the top 1% as senior executive. And the senior executive service seemed to be like a secret society, <laughs> you know, where A lot of people didn't know they had the capability they could perform, they could lead at that level, but it was kind of secret and no one was coaching, especially um, African-American women and men on how do you get into that to that role. Uh, I had a a mentor her name was Tracy Penson, mm-hmm. and for a long time she was the only African American female senior executive uh in the Pentagon and in the in the department of Army and she coached and mentored me along the way mm-hmm. so I took the time to develop my own training to really sit down and coach and mentor different leaders. How do you get there and of course I didn't focus just on minorities. I opened the door to anybody that had the potential to be a leader. Let me show you, teach you, and coach you. And I love talking and working with women. Like, that's my
3: favorite.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, I'll help the men, but if I have a choice to go women or men, I'm definitely (laughs) going to help the women first. Yes. (laughs) Uh, And I also did simple things like I had a brown bag lunch, and it was called a leadership brown bag lunch. And so asking different level leaders, GS-14s, 15s, and even senior executives, come to the lunch with your favorite leadership book, and let's talk about the different... Concepts in that book and how you utilize them and how you can. Mm-hmm. So one of my favorite books is Lean In by mm-hmm. Sheryl Sandberg. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really the book that I use to kind of get myself to the table and realize that I had enough value to sit at the table and not be fearful um, or trying to be so humble. Because I, I grew up in church and they are always, don't be too prideful <laughs> and not be too humble to be able to say, I do have something to give and contribute, and I want to do it.
1: Now, going back into the government contracting side, um, over the years, what would you say was the number one downfall for small businesses?
2: I think the number one downfall was the inability to get the information necessary to know how to go from that get to that first contract. Mm -hmm. And then after getting that first contract, how do I really scale my business?
4: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, Because sometimes you have government employees that, unfortunately, that are not as invested in helping a firm grow. And so sometimes they're not answering the phone or responding to emails. They, they're they not vested in the growth of a firm. And that's really frustrating because the firm, I've I've learned that entrepreneurs work almost 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. And they're constantly calling just, if I can get one person on the phone to give me this little bit of information, I could grow. And then the other, I think, the big downfall is small businesses have to enter in the government sometimes as a subcontractor. Mm-hmm. So they're working for a prime contractor. Mm-hmm. Um, and the prime contractor is giving them a portion of the work. And sometimes there's a significant delay in the payment From the prime contractor to the sub. And the government historically says, we're not going to get engaged in disputes Mm -hmm. between the prime and the sub. And so those small businesses are kind of out on their own trying to navigate. How do I get funds, my money, my payment from a prime contractor, not wanting to burn a bridge Mm -hmm. with them or upset the agency as well?
1: Now, is that something that Live Oak Bank will provide um, subcontractors Or do you have to be the prime to receive, like, that capital
0: for
2: a project? We we provide financing to subcontractors and prime contractors. Oh, that's awesome. So as long as you are a federal government contractor um, and you're working on a prime or subcontract, we definitely can support you with financing.
1: That's amazing. You know, I I have one of my favorite stories of yours. Um, (laughs) you already know which one it is. Yes. (laughs) But – When you're climbing that ladder to success, it's very easy to sometimes forget or kind of have a memory lapse, you know, really who you are and what it takes to get to a particular place. Yes. And um, being cognizant of the fact that you didn't just get
2: here on your own. Yes.
1: So can you share an example of where you had to go through that and have that realization of Hold up. Hold up, Jackie.
2: Yes, definitely. So my career, and this is one of my favorite stories to tell. You're laughing already. Um, I've had a career where I was constantly being pulled up to the next level. I wasn't sitting around filling out applications. Senior leaders at a higher level were constantly pulling me up and promoting me. And that's how I got to the Pentagon. That's how I got to the 8A program. And then Um, as a tier one level SCS. And that's how I moved up to a tier two, which is kind of equivalent to a two star general SCS, supervising five other SCS leaders. I just continued to be pulled. So when I was pulled to the Pentagon, I was running the Corps of Engineers Small Business Program. When I got there in 2010, they had never met their small business goals. And my four-year stint there, I made them number one in the Army, and we exceeded every single goal. So I thought I was something big. Kudos Yes, thank you. you. And so I got a call from the Pentagon, Tracy Pinson. She wanted me to come and kind of stand behind where she was uh, leading at the Army. She was going to retire. So, I went to the Pentagon. I remember how exciting it was. It was scary and exciting at the same time because I thought, I've never worked in the Pentagon and she's going to leave. Like, my mentor is going to leave me there by myself. Mm -hmm. But my husband got me this little, you know, how to work in the Pentagon book. And I read it. Then I took a visit to the Pentagon and I saw all the women had on really high heel shoes and new suits. So I went out to Burlington Co. Factory, <laughs> got me a couple of new suits, went to DSW, got me some new high heels. As an SES. As an SES. <laughs> uh, My two-star general. Yeah, acting in a, in a SES spot. So then... I'm walking down the hallway, I get a call from the administrative assistant to the Secretary of the Army, which is kind of on the important side of the Army, on the Pentagon, where all the special flags are. And he said, Jackie, I need you to come and walk us through a briefing about small business goaling for the whole Army. Some of the generals are complaining about, you know, this or or that, wanting to shift some things. So I thought, okay, I'm going to get over there, Um, pull my purse out, put my lip gloss on. And I started walking down the hall, and I was thinking, like, I'm really something big. Like, the biggest civilian in the Army is calling me to brief something. So I've really, you know, like my government, my grandmother would say, I'm way up in the government. <laughs> and I started strutting, you know, that kind of strut that Liv does on Scandal, mm-hmm. the kind that Beyonce does when she's Sasha Fierce. Uh-huh. I was walking like that. Like, you you should have seen me. <sighs> And the next thing you know, boom, I hit the floor. And I thought, oh my goodness. One shoe was on the other side. My little spanks were out. My little wig was on the side. It was horrible. And of course, I started trying to cry. What happened to me? And it was this like God saying right then, I will drop you if you think this is about you. Mm -hmm. This is not about you, Jackie. I didn't elevate you to get to a point where you think it's about you. And I mean, I was kind of walking like maybe I shouldn't even speak to people in the hall because I'm pretty big now. It was just that one split second. And I'm so glad and grateful that God said, no, this is not what it's about. Um, And he just reminded me that you're here to open doors for others. To help, to respond, to pick up the phone, to remember names. I remember coming up in in my career, how sometimes you'd have to keep introducing yourself to colonels and generals that you've been working for them for two or three years, but every time you see them, they didn't remember who you were,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and you had to keep introducing yourself. So I made it a point: I'm going to know the names of all of my people and and in my my employees and my staff. Mm-hmm the other people I meet, the businesses that I meet. And that's one of the things that impress people a lot, that they say, wow, you're so personable. Mm -hmm. And you know me, I'll stop and take a selfie in a minute.
1: You will. (laughs) And post it on LinkedIn. (laughs) Yes, I will. (laughs) So through all of that, um, how do you feel like your journey has made you the person that you are today?
2: You know, when I think about who I am today, which... um, you know so I listen to to different songs, you know, depending on what what mood mm-hmm. I'm in, and today, on my way to work, I was listening to Mary J. Blige, just fine, mm-hmm. like you know, and then sometimes I listen to Jill Scott living my life like it's golden mm-hmm. um. And then I listen to, there's another really great song, J.J. Hairston, and it's called um, Worthy, Mm -hmm. You Are Worthy of the Highest Praise. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I kind of mix all of that together, and I feel strong, I feel confident, um, I feel protected, and like there's a hedge of protection around me at all times. And I feel like God has opened the doors so I could use my gift. Like, my gift has made room for me. And sometimes you think, because you look at someone who sings or dances or, or acts or has certain type of gifts that maybe society says is a gift, mm-hmm. and you don't really value and understand your own gift, but everyone has a gift. Mm-hmm. Every single person has a gift. And my my gift is connecting people, opening doors, and being um, relational. Mm-hmm. Right. And somebody might think like, oh, that's not really a gift. It has opened doors for me. Right. And like when I really think, um, am I really this super smart brainiac? It's that I'm personable and I connect people and I open doors. And that's my gift. And um, I feel bold now. Like when I was at the SBA, I used to say SBA stood for smart, bold and accessible. I feel smart and bold. Yes. And I'm going to stay accessible.
1: Yes. And that's enough. You know, everyone always is trying to figure out what their passion is, what their you know reason for being here on earth. And sometimes it's just realizing who I am is enough
2: It's enough.
1: um that thank, you are enough. Thank you for staying with us. Um, we are going to go to our next segment, which is um we're going to get techie with Tech Talk. Okay. um, but stay with us. And we'll be bringing our next guest in. um is Jennifer Rios. All right, so this week on our Tech Talk, we are so privileged to have two amazing women in studio with us. Our first is no surprise—you've had her and you've heard all of her like great advice and news. Uh, Miss Angela Dingle, who is the CEO of XNihilo, and we also have joining us Miss Kiana Ganey, who is the CEO of Secure Tech Three Hundred and Sixty. Thanks for being here, ladies. Thank you, Angel. Thanks for having us. Absolutely, absolutely. So I want to talk to you about cybersecurity, because that's kind of like you all sweet spots for both of your companies. So today you said that we're going to talk about cyber hygiene, which I'm so unfamiliar with, so I'm probably very unsanitary when it comes to my... <laughs> My cyber hygiene.
3: So tell me exactly what that is. So cyber hygiene would remind you of any other form of hygiene, right? It's a set of good habits and practices around information technology and mobile devices.
1: Okay, so what is it that we need to be, like, let's start with mobile devices. What's some good cyber hygiene?
3: So before I tell you some good cyber hygiene, let me tell you just a little bit of information about why it's really important to have good cyber hygiene habits, right? Yes, ma'am. So if you think about, uh, if you are, uh, if you're thinking about taking care of your body or taking care of any other form of um, device that you have. You want to um, practice good habits of keeping it clean and dusting it off and making sure that there's no damage to it. You want to do the same things from a cyber standpoint. So whenever you're online or whenever you're dealing with a social media platform or you're dealing with one of your mobile devices, you want to use good habits there,
0: too.
1: So what are some of these habits that we should be uh, forming on a regular basis, Kiana?
0: I would recommend just making sure you have good um, policies in place. Okay. Um, a lot of small businesses, I know we always think about the obvious stuff, right? Creating a business plan, making sure you get your financials together. But cybersecurity is very important, right? Because it's good for you and your customers. Because one bad incident, could you can be out of business, right? Mm-hmm. So one thing I always say is start with your policies. Look what you have currently in place and then see where there's ways where you can implement something as simple as changing passwords every 30 days, mm-hmm. making sure the password are at least you know 12 characters with special characters or something like that Um, and also one of my biggest things is training make sure your folks are trained and they understand what the capabilities of the devices that you have in your infrastructure and how important it is to make sure that that information is protected at all times
1: so we're going to go back a little bit okay and one of the things that you mentioned was make sure that your password is 12 characters and change that every 30 days Now, how are you supposed to remember 12 characters and you're changing it every 30 days?
0: a little secret i always tell people is everyone has something that's special to them, right? that no- that nobody else knows. So maybe it could be your dog, it could be your favorite color, it could be something and you can change up the numbers. You change 2378973, you know, puppy 257 blue eyes. I mean, something. You can be very creative. And you can set triggers in your phone to do something every 30 days and then to make sure that you're just keeping up with that, right? Because it's just like the the locks to your your front door you're not just going to give that access to anyone right mm-hmm. and with all the different technologies you have to make sure that you're protecting yourself so it's, it's it's a great cyber hygiene practice
1: now is there a particular platform out there that's available where you can keep your passwords in one safe place and you know and you feel like they're protected
3: there are a number of password keepers, yes, but I say that. Uh, but I I personally don't trust them. I tend yes. to Mm-mm. to keep a formula in my head about how to uh, change what. Well, I I use segments of four, so I use a 16-character password, and it's four segments of four. Mm -hmm. So there are four things that only I know about, and I change them every 30 days, and I kind of keep this running thing in my head. You can think about a sentence. Think about I'm walking to the store, Mm -hmm. and instead of spelling that out with normal letters, I might be the number one or an exclamation point. Mm The A in walking might be the at sign. Mm-hmm. Right. You might use numbers and letters instead of um, numbers and special characters instead of using words. And so I do that in segments of four because I maintain a 16 character password.
1: Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, I think this is a great tip. Um, and I love the fact that, you know, we are equipping our women entrepreneurs with great information mm-hmm. and so that we all are walking around with good cyber hygiene. Um, so talking about passwords today, I think was wonderful. Thank you for both joining us and sharing that information. And if you want to learn more about cyber hygiene, specifically as it relates to passports and password security, you can learn more at WBBtalk.com. Welcome back to the Women Behind the Business Talk Show. I'm your host, Angel Livas. Now it's time to speak with one of the small businesses that provide services to the government. Jennifer Rios is the CEO of Pinnacle Software Consulting, a certified service-disabled, veteran-owned small business that has provided over 60 years of federal government services from logistics, federal acquisitions, government contracting, program management support, human resources, system engineering, information technology, and cybersecurity. Ms. Rios is a well- decorated, service-disabled veteran with over 14 years of logistic management, IT program management, and HR management training. All right. So, thank you for being here, Jennifer. Uh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, tell me a little bit about... Sorry. Oh, sorry. All right. Talk to me for a little bit. All right. Do, do we just anything? want to do a test real quick. Okay. I just I want to make sure your anything? mic is good. Go is ahead. it good? Okay, okay. We're good. Okay. So, talk to me a little bit about what your government contracting during... Actually scratch that you're nowhere near 60 so how has your business been in existence for over 60 years
5: so it's a combination of my staff that we have it's our experience that we have combined so okay my partner uh, he has a 25 years experience his wife has 20 something years and then um another one of our it personnel have Okay, so, so it's you, a combined experience. So of you take
1: 60 years. everyone's experience to like, yo, we've been doing this for 60 years. Yes. I love it. That's yes. a nice creative way to be like, yo, we know what we're doing. Absolutely. All right, so talk to me a little bit about what your company does.
5: So, as you as just you mentioned a little while ago, <laughs> we do a little bit of everything, um, we have uh, IT. Solutions. We have program management. We have human resources um, services as well as uh, logistics. Mm -hmm. And these are basically between um, this the core of our company. This is our specialty. Each one of us is a subject matter expert in either all of the fields or some of the fields. Mm -hmm. And um, that's kind of where we started off with the idea of uh, Pentacle. We've actually been around since 2007. Mm -hmm. Um, My Partner previously owned it. Um, I was still active duty during the time, and I just recently got out about two years ago in January two thousand and sixteen. Hmm. Um, and during that time, we've basically been building the infrastructure of the company, um, making sure that our foundation is strong, so that when we do acquire our contracts, and um, we'll be ready to uh, take on
1: mm-hmm. larger and bigger and better contracts. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. What was it that made you um, decide that when you transitioned from the military that you wanted to have your own government contracting firm?
5: So initially when I got out of the military, um, I had a hard time trying to distinguish where I fit in in the civilian life Mm -hmm. Um, and trying to come from the military and translating what I've done and My career into the civilian world, it just wasn't meshing right. So I tried a couple companies and uh, they kind of downgraded me. So it's like, oh, you don't really know what you're, you know. I'm like, no, I've done this for 14 years. I've successfully, you know, led 260 soldiers at a time. I've, you know, been to Afghanistan, Iraq. I've been to combat impact. Like, there's nothing you can really tell me that I don't know how to manage people. Right. So I found that in the civilian sector, number one, they'll downgrade your title. And number two, they'll give you a less salary because they'll call you a junior when you have been doing this for years. It's just they don't know how to translate it um, for the military going into the civilian world. So I said, you know, this is enough for me to start my own company. Um, So I eventually took over what was previously my partner's company. And I took over um, as a CEO so that I can make a difference for the veterans um, and the minorities and the women. Um, So that's why I wanted to start my own business. Now, let's
1: back it up just a little bit, um, because I work with a, uh, a women veterans organization. And one of the things that I hear from a lot of the women veterans is that transitional period. When you transition out of the military, like you talked a little bit about it when you talked about, you know, what it was like in trying to find a comparable um, and respectable position where they respected you in your role and, and trusted that you knew what you were doing and what you what assets you brought to the company. But outside of that, um, I feel like on the more personal side, sometimes it's hard just that transition phase, and you know, understanding how the civil civilian world works, um, and you know, did you have any of that like when you transitioned out of the military?
5: Absolutely, uh, you know, I'm all my family is from Texas, and they're in San Antonio. I have family in New Jersey. So moving from North Carolina to D.C., I have nobody. Mm-hmm. It's just me and my son. So I'm a single mother at that. And then also taking on the role of, you know, starting your own company. So that by itself is a huge, you know. Undertaking. Yes. Mm-hmm. To, to go through. And then on working full time for a company while starting up my company or transitioning from, you know, taking over as a CEO. Um, that was very difficult uh, on the personal side. I mean, it's very stressful. Um <laughs> I've had some recent medical um, issues that have come up and, uh, you know, adapting to those um, and, you know, just basically trying to balance everything, Mm -hmm. you know, working 18 hour days every day can be exhausting and can really put you on your mind. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Your body will make you sit down.
1: Absolutely. So what do you think has been the greatest asset to being, you know, the CEO of Pinnacle Consulting?
5: The trust that people have in me. They believe in me. They know that I will do anything that it takes to get our company off the ground. You know, uh, like I mentioned previously, it's trying to get my face out there, trying to say, hey, this is who we are. This is what we represent. Um, and the greatest thing that I have for the company is being able to be in that position to, to give back and to mentor people and to, you know have people believe that I'm going to ensure that their medical, dental benefits, you know, their retirement plans, they're entrusting in me that I'm going to do the right thing. And, you know, I'm going to work very hard to ensure that, like I said, veterans, minorities, um, disabled veterans, um, and anyone who comes under um, our co- our company mm-hmm. is well taken care of. And for you, what is the, the greatest
1: obstacle in, um, a lot of times I talk to our guests about what it's like to manage all of these different roles, um, because with each role comes responsibility. And so how do you manage being CEO one and veteran being a military family? Because even though you're out of that role, you still kind of maintain the memories of when you were away, you know, in Afghanistan or wherever else you've been deployed. Um, but then also having a son that you're responsible for and having to take care of as a single mother so how do you juggle it all so
5: <laughs> well um so we'll start with the first one so the obstacles that i've come to um with the company would be you know, finding a bank that's going to say, hey, we trust you. You know, we've only had one subcontract with the Department of Homeland Security um, that, that we did very well. And we executed that for three years. Um, finding a bank that's going to say, hey, we trust you. We trust your vision. You know. Well, now you know Miss Jackie. Right. With right. Live Oak Bank. <laughs> <laughs> Live Oak Bank will be getting a call for me. Thank you, Jackie. Um, that was probably the number one. And number two, I... I can honestly say and I admit when I don't have a strength and uh, proposal writing, I don't have that strength. And so finding somebody who can actually write proposals, that's probably, those two are my biggest weaknesses right now or that I need to to
1: mm-hmm. improve upon. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs>
5: And then the juggling. And then the juggling. So every day I have to wake up <laughs> at 6, and then my day goes on, and it doesn't stop until about 1 o'clock in the morning. So I think that um, I'm good at multitasking, so that's good. So I'm able to work full-time and run a company full-time. Um, and just uh, exercising, being with my girlfriends, people like you, who bring joy to my life to keep my myself uh, sane. <laughs>
1: Uh, and so how do you manage like in spending time with the family, having a
5: dating life, like ugh, dating? Mm. No time. Uh, my son I see him it's like hey good morning hey I love you gotta go and then I kind of just depend on Uber Eats to bring him dinner because I'm at meetings or the weekends when we try to find the time because on weekends I also work from like 10 to 6 at night and then by the time I get home I'm like hey let's go to the movies It's like I'm too tired I don't want to I don't want to hang out with you but he's a teenager so you know teens don't want to hang out with their moms
1: right yeah
5: when it comes to and well, you said you have a full time
1: job too. What mm-hmm. do you do full time? I know this.
5: Yes, uh, I, <laughs> So because of the issue with the revenue mm-hmm. um, and not having any contracts currently, we have things that are in the pipeline that we are trying to secure. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to work a full time job so that I can, you know, provide the you know I have multiple houses and things like that. So I need to make sure I can support that while I'm. Just, figuring it out. Yep, trying to secure that contract to get us off the ground. So how
1: difficult is it to know that, you know, you've come to a point in your business where the things aren't going necessarily as you would like mm. um, and you have to go out and you have to figure it out, whether that means getting another job or, you know, whatever you have to do. How hard
5: was that to be like, OK, look, this is reality well, it it is extremely hard to be honest with you because I don't. I come from a poor family, so it's not like I can pick up the phone and be like, "Mom, I need to borrow five thousand so dollars, like, pay my rent. Help me!" <laughs> and she can actually, she can do that. So I don't have anybody. So it's very hard. Um, at one point, I was working for a company who told me I wasn't worth anything. You know, in so much words. But I was enough to manage 19 programs for the Department of Veteran Affairs flawlessly mm-hmm, and continue mm-hmm. to get their contracts renewed. Mm-hmm. So at the end of that contract, they ended up letting me go. So I was without a job for three months. So I had to provide for my son as a single mom. And it is very hard, especially when living in the D.C. area. But I lived off of savings, and I eventually came to terms with myself that, hey, the contract wasn't coming in as we had planned, Um you know, I just need to go to work for a little longer until I can figure out another um, method. But it is very stressful, (laughs) very, very stressful. And how do
1: you manage it mentally? I know one of our segments um, is Women Behind the Business Health Tips, and we have uh, Dr. Tia Hill that comes on and talks about mental health. And it seems like that that can be so taxing um, Mm -hmm. mentally, Um, not just, I'm speaking from experience too, (laughs) just because you're constantly like, I have to perform. I'm not going to give up. I'm not, you know, the type of person that is easily broken. So how do you keep yourself motivated and encouraged?
5: Um, so I don't know if other people do this, but I know, like, in my room, I have, like, my motivation. Uh, it's kind of like the the board for the 2018. These are mm-hmm. my goals. Vision boards. Mm -hmm, That's where mm -hmm. I was going. And then I have pictures next to it. Mm -hmm. And every day I wake up, I look at the vision board, and it's right in front of my bed. And it has pictures of my grandmother and grandfather who have passed, as my mom and my dad, who I do this for, and my son. So those are the reasons why I do what I do. So that I can, you know, we started from nothing. You know, Mm -hmm. I lived in a two-bedroom house when I was a kid, six kids on a fold-out couch, Mm -hmm. you know. And I am where I am today. Mm -hmm. And... I continue that journey because I want to continue to give back. I want to give back to my parents. I want to give back to my child. um, And I want to give back to veterans and, you know, anyone who comes to my company to work for me. I want to make sure that their families are well taken care of as well.
1: So if there was something that a resource or a tool that, let's say, I mean, when we have someone in studio with and you guys weren't paired by accident, Mm -hmm. Um, But when you have someone that you have access to that can provide you information or resources, what would be one of those things that you would have you would ask of Miss Jackie? Like what would be something that would potentially help you? with your business at where it is right now,
5: so she did mention a couple of things um, that you know kind of intrigued me. That I would love to reach out and get in contact with her. Um, she did talk about acquiring another company to get their um, past performance so that we can enroll it in our company. That's something I've been really thinking about because I actually have a couple of business partners who are like, "I'll invest in you. Mm-hmm. You're worth it." Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the conversation that needs to be had because I'm at that point where it's like I really, you know, I work ten hours a day for another lady who's building her dream when I have my dream on the back burner Mm. and I want to give my all, but I also have to support my child. So, you know, it's a conversation that I think I need to sit down and have with Jackie at some point um, to acquire another business. Um, And then I also have already a line of credit Mm. for when I do win contracts, but it's nice to have a backup one Mm -hmm. uh, just in case. Yes, it is. (laughs) It's called insurance (laughs) just in case. Um, And, there has been a lot of rumors when it comes to joining the 8A program. Like I mentioned, we've had a contract. We've been around since 2007. I've gotten the both sides of the story. So I've gotten the hey, you know, you should wait until you actually acquire three or four contracts under your belt before you apply for the 8A program. Mm-hmm. And then I've gotten the just go for it do it and put your whole heart into it and get the, you know, get the 8A certification. But I, what I have felt, and again, Jackie can tell me and you can tell me, is wait, wait till you get a couple contracts under and then go. But again, these are some questions that have, you know, they're sitting in my head and I don't know who to ask or where to go. So now I know that
1: one of my mentors definitely told me you definitely do not want to go to jump out there apply for an 8a you might get it but if you don't have the past performance and unless these agencies are asking hey what are your contract vehicles do you have an you know are you 8a certified whatever then your clock is ticking Right. Um and so I think the methodology behind waiting until someone's actually asking you for it is you've already had that opportunity to build up that past performance because like Mishaki said earlier is there are some people who have 8 as and they've never acquired a contract. Yeah, I heard that.
5: <laughs> I was like I would be running I'd be, <laughs> you
1: know and then when you think like I'm racing against a clock You know, and some of these other companies that may be up for, you know, purchase, they may have had some 8A, you know, um, contracts, but now they may not know what to do because they don't they no longer have that to, you know, support them or back them. So I think that there's a lot of different entities that kind of like play a part in, you know, how you should move forward and maneuver. But um, I definitely want you and Miss Jackie to talk offline and have a, a deeper conversation of, hey, well, here are some resources or things that you should you can consider, like you just said, like the acquiring an existing business, or um, here are some really good. So anyone that's listening that is a really good grant writer or proposal writer, um, please let us know. You know, hit us <laughs> up and we'll definitely pass your information on. Um, so. What is it that you would like to see happen? I know you mentioned your vision, your vision board for 2018. What are some of the things that are currently on your vision board um, that you might be willing to share that you would like to see come to fruition in in 2018?
5: So I've noticed that when you're working as many hours as I am right now um, and I'm pretty sure everyone who's listening has been in these shoes um, and can testify that, you know, sometimes you have to put things on your back burner. Like mm-hmm. I used to be super fit. I used to work out religiously. Mm-hmm. And I've seen my health decline because I have not had as much time for myself. And um, I I was part of a group um, with Angela Dingle. And, uh, a mastermind group. A mastermind group. Thank you. Uh And one thing she mentioned is you got to take time out for yourself. So set aside some time. And and I have failed myself in that aspect. So if I want to say if there's anything that I could do um, that's on my vision board, it's health. Like, take care of my health. Get back on your gym cycle. Um, Remember you. You know, I'm so busy chasing things for everybody else. You know, the company that I work for on top of running my company and making sure, you know, I'm making the business meetings, doing the business dinners, making sure I'm making the phone calls, setting up the, you know, and it's just I get lost in the sauce of... What about me?
1: Are you utilizing any tools to help you kind of automate some of these different things, especially on the company
5: side? Um, it wasn't previously, but since a recent medical <laughs> thing, I can't remember um, as much anymore. So I'm having to use more of my to-do list Mm-hmm. Um, which I hate to do lists, by the way, mm-hmm. because they, so I never get all of them done. But it um, Se- seems never ending. Yes, yes, it seems never ending. Um, but writing down is helping me remember what I need to do now. Um, even meetings, I can't remember, but I'm working on
1: it. So, so I would say that <clears throat> one of the things that um, came up on one of our tech minutes is utilizing like a CRM, which is a customer relationship management tool. And essentially what that will do, it was it'll essentially automate different correspondences between you, the people that you're meeting, follow-ups. So if you just take the time up front and load preload all of your information into the platform, then as people reach out to you or as you upload their information, you no longer have to go through person by person and send them correspondences. You can have it pre-kind of drafted. It'll put in, hey, you know, angel great meeting you you know whatever it is and then it can go out so it allows you to still you know make sure you're staying in contact following up with individuals but not being bogged down with like yo i gotta write this person i gotta write this especially after dinners or events and you meet all these different people and you have all these different business cards it's a good you know possible solution for you know staying engaged with your contacts We will be downloading here soon. (laughs) So talk to me about um, Jennifer, the person. Um, A lot of what we've heard about is like you, you know, and, you know, your goals. But what is it that is fulfilling to you? You don't know.
5: I don't even know. (laughs) But that's deep. That's deep. I don't even know.
1: Honestly. Honestly. And I, I think that, you know, especially as mom, sometimes you lose yourself in take like you said earlier, taking care of everyone else. But I'ma need you to unlose yourself, find yourself. <laughs> I'm working on <out> that. It's <laughs> on my vision
5: board, guys. Don't worry, I'll be finding myself in twenty eighteen.
1: Because I'm like, I don't even know.
5: Yeah. I, I can't just, believe you so don't lost. know what's important to you. Like, like you don't know I like, mean what I know my want. son is important. I know my company's important. And like traveling the world isn't like i mean it's important but i mean I've. that's not to do (laughs) yeah i understand (laughs) i totally understand i'm always on the grind i guess so it's it's i'm always on the go so maybe taking that time to just stop we
1: uh, have come to the point in the show where we are going to go to our woman behind the business health tip so stay with us and we'll be joined by dr tia hill It's that time in the show for our Woman Behind the Business Health Tip with Dr. Tia Hill. Thank you for being in studio with us, Dr. Hill. Hey, how are you? I'm always blessed. Now- We are supposed to be talking about exercise. Everybody trying to get that beach body ready. Mm -hmm. What are some things that we should be mindful of when it comes to exercising?
4: Eating. And I'm not just talking about clean eating, but I'm talking about also eating your breakfast, which is the most important meal of the day. It also helps to set your metabolism. So if you miss breakfast and then you eat lunch, do know that your body did not start metabolizing until the time that you ate lunch. So make sure you get that breakfast in.
1: Now outside of that like what does that have to do with my workout because, <laughs> because, it, because it fuels because your if body but i'm saying like if i work out at 5 a.m and mm-hmm. i'm not actually eating breakfast until after that like does that play a role in my workout well it, how well? what, what it, is your body
4: eating what is your body burning your food is your body's energy so that's what's and and when you wake up in the morning you've been asleep all night now you're having to reset yourself and i didn't say you know full like sausage, bacon, pancakes, but you can definitely do a protein smoothie. You can also do a banana. You can do yogurt. Granola bars are amazing. Um, and just eat it and then go work out if you're wake- working out early in the morning. So you're saying make sure that you eat something even before your workout. I always tell people to do that. I do. Because what I have noticed as well is that a lot of people might get Charlie horses mm-hmm. because they're potassium levels. Um, if you are pre-diabetic and don't know, also as women, we go through menses. So as you're menstruating or when you're going through pre-menopausal or your hormone levels are off. So you're you're going through those those issues. Also drinking water first thing in the morning before you work out because it helps mm-hmm. flush it your toxins out and it gives you uh, just a clear mind as you're going into that gym.
1: Okay. So my day should start. A glass of water. Yes. A banana. Then my workout. Or whatever my little snack is. Yes. To get my body mm-hmm. prepared. Perfect. So if I don't eat, what are the ramifications? Because I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm put myself out there. I don't eat in the morning before I work out. Now, I do eat breakfast. But that comes much later. So I'm going to be a little petty right now. Okay. Kay. Do you remember with,
4: with your children, mm-hmm. what do you do with them? Make sure they do every morning.
1: That they eat breakfast. Okay. And so, I eat breakfast. I'm not saying that I don't. I'm just saying that it may not happen before the workout. Well, do you work out every morning? You want me to be honest?
4: <laughs> <laughs> I try. Okay. So even still, I, even if you don't do it before the workout, I do think you need to do it within 15 minutes of the workout. And if you're not going to eat, at least drink a protein shake. Okay. Even if it's in the evening. Or the morning always make sure you put some protein on your stomach because you need your body to eat something you don't need your body to eat the muscles mm-hmm. you need your body to eat what's in its system to burn and you don't want to have it eating at your muscles.
1: Why would it eat my muscles? Why can't it just because eat the it's
4: then fighting it's then fighting for nutrition. So your body is it's an organ and it's always working it's always going it's always churning. So even with me and getting back to working out I too have had to go through this situation of, I noticed how my body would respond when I didn't eat breakfast Mm -hmm. and I would always be hungry. You're still going to be hungry because you're burning more fat, you're building more muscle, but you just have to make sure that you're giving your body the right fuel so that you can be able to maintain it and be consistent with it. All
1: right, ladies. So I think we've gotten enough information or at least a starter to why we need to make sure that we're at least fueling our bodies before we go into that amazing workout that we are going to do for our regular days. Um, So yeah, for more information on why you should eat breakfast and um, getting in that gym to get ready for just good health, I'm not even going to say that beach body, but good health, um, you can get more information at wbbtalk.com. So now it's time in the show for our moments from the Valley. This is when we share our moments of reflection and times where we went through a very difficult time um, that we don't necessarily always talk about. But we know that it's powerful in sharing information um, to help someone else that may be going through that situation. So, Ms. Jackie, I'm going to start with you today.
2: Yes. Okay. Thank you. You know, this... this is, is probably going to be a little difficult for me because I've never publicly talked about this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I when I started the Army Corps of Engineers, uh, I was a GS-15, and I was really trying to grow and scale that small business program. And I walked into an environment where they had never exceeded the goals. Um, and of course, by, t- by the time I left, we hadn't met every single goal. But there were so many struggles in between that. Um, not with the commanders, because they just needed the information on what they needed to do and they embraced it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But I decided I when I got there, um, my commander, which is General Van Antwerp and, and General Todd Seminite, they said, Jackie, you need to hire some people. We're gonna give you some extra slots. And they gave me eight other positions, GS 14 couple of GS-15 positions. And instead of recruiting, I brought over a couple of friends. And I knew these ladies in the government, I worked with them, they were smart. And I thought this is a fast way for me to, to bring in some quality folks. And one of my mentors, her name is Alice Williams. She's at the DOD small business office now. And she said, Jackie, you know, both of these ladies have problems in their current agency. One doesn't show up to work, and one has continually um, been combative with every supervisor they've had for the last four years. Hmm. But, of course, I said, no, they're my girlfriends. They don't love me. Like, we're going to work this Corps of Engineers. And so I gave two of the top positions Mm -hmm. to these young ladies. And when they got there, it was no time at all that they started being very disruptive. And it was hard for me because they were my friends. Mm -hmm. Not showing up to work, not doing work. Um, And I guess I was so shocked, even though I had been told and warned, Mm -hmm. it's just something I never would have done. Mm -hmm. And so um, it meant that I had to do the work of three people. Um, It meant that I had to make decisions to reprimand People that were my friends, like they were my girlfriends. Mm-hmm. And it was very tough because um, people were watching. And other people knew that I shouldn't have made the decision to bring them on. I should have competed the jobs um, and knew that they had problems. And so it was a very tough time for me when I had to step back and um, just kind of reassess my own value, my character, uh, my integrity was being challenged, and it was a result of friends. Um, They also started poisoning some of the other Mm -hmm. workforce. So it just kind of a ripple effect. Um, I was lucky enough to have them both leave around the same time and I could rebuild that team. And here we were, a team that was headed to be number one in the Army. Mm. And I had this own internal t- 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 turmoil going on at the headquarters. Um, and I have never spoke about it. Mm. And so, but it was a huge lesson because um, everybody that, it, let me see, the easiest way to say it is everybody that comes up with you can't go with you. Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: You see that? Like they came up with me, but now it's time for me to go to a higher level and they weren't ready to go to that level with me. And you've got to know who to bring and who not to bring. Doesn't mean you're not friends and you have a relationship, but you have to know who to take with you to the next level. And I'm so glad that lesson was taught to me before I became an SES. Yeah, Before I became a tier two SES. And before I became to I came to Live Oak, because as you can imagine, I get calls every day of people saying, Jackie, take me with you. And I've learned a huge lesson on who to bring and who not to bring. Wow, that's powerful. Very powerful lesson
1: that I think our listeners will definitely um, walk away with some, you know, moments of reflection. And now we'll hear from Jennifer.
5: So mine is a little bit more personal than it is. has to do with my business. Um, I can take you back to about 2015. Um, at the time, I was attending three universities. I was full-time active duty, running a brigade operations room. Um, I had my son, he was in two daycares, morning and night, because PT started at six and I didn't get out of school until 10:30, 30, 11 o'clock at night. So I was sleeping about three to four hours a day. Um, with that being said, <laughs> I had recently went to New Jersey to visit some family. On the way back, I had gotten in a car accident. My son was with his father at the time. Um, I got rear-ended in the back. Um, I was really scared. It was my first accident. I was by myself. Um, my son had bronchitis. I was trying to get back home. I had to pull over, stay at a hotel room. I got up in the morning and realized I just was in bad shape. Still made it, managed to get on the road and finish driving from Virginia all the way to North Carolina. Uh, when I went to pick up my son, he was sick. So regardless of my injury from the accidents and stuff like that, I refused to go to the hospital that night. Um, I picked him up, and he had, he was coughing. He had fever. I was upset because my ex-husband didn't take him to the doctor. So the first thing I did was put him in the car, and I took him to the emergency room. So at the time, uh, we were stationed at Fort Bragg, and Fort Bragg was like 10 minutes from the hospital we were at. Um, when I got there... Uh, they had asked what was wrong because I was all, I couldn't move. Um, I said, I just got in a car accident. They were like, let me take you back. I said, no, you will not treat me. You need to treat my son first. Mm. So then um, they went to the back and they had my son. I had asked my ex-husband, like, hey, can you come to the hospital? Like, I need to get checked in. He's still in the hospital. He's got bronchitis. He said, no, my warehouse inspection is coming up tomorrow and I need to make sure I'm good to go. So he refused to come help me. So... After they finished him, I had to call my soldier. One of my soldiers came and picked up my son, took him to go get his prescriptions, did everything. Then they checked me into the hospital and they you know, got me squared away and then after everything was said and done, I stayed in the hospital that night and then the next morning they had released me. So at this point I was having back pain, I had upper respiratory infection, I had asthma. I just was on rock bottom, Uh, I would say rock bottom. I'm allergic to Percocet, a lot of the narcotics, which I found out recently. Um, and I was frustrated. I was frustrated beyond belief. Um, I didn't have any help. None of my family was there. My ex-husband wouldn't help me with his child. He wouldn't help me with me. Uh, I had. I couldn't get out of bed. And I had found out that my ex-boyfriend at the time was cheating on me in Afghanistan when I had been faithful to him. And I, school was overwhelming. My job was overwhelming. I had just come to that point where I went to my closet. I got on my knees, and I was willing to just end it all because I couldn't take it anymore. And God sent in his little angel, which was my son at the time. And he asked, what's wrong? And I was crying, and I was on my knees, and he hugged me. And at that moment, I realized like it's not about me. And no matter what I had gone through and how much pain I was in because I couldn't take narcotics to cope with the pain, I had to literally feel everything um, between the car crash, the the chest, the breathing, everything. And I realized that, you know, it's, it's not about me and it never will be. The moment I gave birth to my son, it was about him and setting up his future so that he would never have to go some of the things that I went through as a child. So that was probably my breaking point to realize that it was bigger than me and it's not ever going to be about me. And I need to be around for him. You know, it's not where you come from doesn't dictate where you're going
1: mm-hmm.
5: And I have eight brothers and sisters and I'm the only one who has been successful thus far. So
1: well keep going keep going. Thank you. <laughs> uh, would you like to
5: share, share your social media information? Um, so you can reach out to me on LinkedIn mm-hmm. uh, under Jen Rios um, and then I have a Facebook page under Jennifer Nicole. Awesome. And for uh, Jackie Robinson Burnett, you can follow her on LinkedIn also
1: at Jackie Robinson Burnett. Well, that is our show for today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to check out past broadcasts on our website, WBBtalk.com. And please follow us online at WBBtalk. Until next time, stay blessed.